Thank you, Dulcie. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I feel like we've already had a warm-up, and I think there's more fire to come. I'm excited about today. And today, um, as Daniel said, my name's Lawrence. I'm a member here. We're going to be focusing on one of our core values here at JCC, which is generosity. Generosity, or as I've subtitled my preach, give until you can laugh with an attitude of gratitude. Give until you can laugh. Because generosity is God's way of raising children, not of raising funds. Having said that, if you didn't have the opportunity to give last week, feel free to give either today as part of the collection or to give online. There's still plenty of time to give. Our uh, dear friends, Victor and Polina, who are New Frontiers pastors in Kiev, uh, this church has been so generous. The last gift day that you gave raised over 36,000 pounds to help them in their street ministry. As a result of that, since February of this year, when the war's been going on, you've helped to feed, clothe, comfort, and spread the gospel with over 4,500 needy Ukrainians. And that's your generosity, and thank you. Thank you. Uh, also, a welcome to you, Zana, from Odessa. It's nice to have you with us today. Thank you. So one of our first experiences as a family was receiving generosity from JCC. Uh, we came here in 2009, and just before we came, I flew over on a business trip in August, and I stayed with John and Christine Buckerfield. That long ago, yeah, exactly. And I, I hadn't, we didn't have a car when we were due to arrive. We were due to arrive in two weeks' time. And we needed a car because it would be very expensive to rent one. As we were driving down that road, um, John was driving and a man pulled up beside us from the church with a sign in the window, free car to anyone who wants one, <laughs> in exchange for um, a gift to the building fund. So to my slight embarrassment, John wound down my window and said, he needs it, we'll take it. <laughs> And, uh, and we did. We went to this man's house uh, afterwards. He signed the ownership papers. I flew out two hours later. We came back two weeks later to our newly leased house, and sitting on the driveway was that car, which was just a wonderful gift. And our household goods took, I guess, about eight to ten weeks to arrive. And so this church kindly gave us furniture, gave us a television, gave us kitchen goods to get started I just want to say thank you for welcoming us as immigrants 13 years ago. You really are very generous. Today I want to cover three areas of generosity. The first is why. Why be generous? I think there's a strong biblical framework for that. The second is what. What is the spirit of generosity? How do we get to that place where we can give until we can laugh? And lastly, how do we practice generosity? Generosity is not a concept, it's something to be practiced in our everyday lives. So I want to start with the most important part, which is why be generous. And the overwhelming reason for believers to be generous is because God is generous. He has given us his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross in our place so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we can spend eternity with him in joy. That is an amazing, amazing act of generosity. Uh, one of the key verses for today is <clears throat> from Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who 
loved me and gave himself for me. And everyone is familiar with John 3.16, but just let the words sink in. For God so dearly loved and greatly prized the world, that's you, that he even gave, he even gave his one and only son, Jesus. You know, a lot of us have a problem with tithing, giving 10% of our money to the church. God did not tithe from heaven. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send 10% himself. God gave it all. God gave it all. He sent Jesus. He gave everything he had. There was no plan B. Jesus was the most generous gift that God could give. And so our model for generosity is our Heavenly Father. He is the perfectly generous Father. Here's some other reasons uh, to be generous from the Bible. I'm going to go through a few ones. Firstly, generosity is a command. Um, in Deuteronomy 15, 10 to 11, Deuteronomy 15, 10 to 11, it says this, Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God. You're God's blessing in everything that you do, all your work, all your ventures. There are always going to be poor and needy people among you. So I command you, always be generous. Have open purses and open hands. Give to your neighbors in trouble, your poor and hurting neighbors. So I command you, always be generous. The second reason is that a generous person will prosper. There's lots of examples of this in the scripture. Let me just pick two. One is from Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Or I love the literal version which says whoever waters someone else will themselves be watered if you give a cup of water to someone else you'll get rained on yourself basically um, a generous person will themselves be blessed for they will share their food with the poor proverbs 22 9 so we see that god pours out his blessing on the generous the third point is i believe that there's a close connection between being generous to the poor to receive God's guidance for your life and to live a supernatural life, to live in the anointing of God. And I'm convinced of this because, A, I've seen it, and B, because Isaiah 58, verses 10 to 11 says this. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourself to the poor, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will become bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. That's guidance. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. That's healing. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a gurgling spring that never runs dry. That's the spirit. A clear link between generosity of the poor, God's guidance for our life, and being spirit-filled. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus links generosity to holy living. So in Luke 11, verses 41, he says this to the Pharisees. He says, turn out your pockets and turn your hearts inside out and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean and not just your dishes in your hands. If you're generous, your lives will be clean, not just your dishes. And lastly, <clears throat> I do believe that generosity and answered prayer go together. In Acts 10, 39, it's... I don't think it's any mistake that the first Gentile to ever be saved and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit was um, a Roman centurion called Cornelius. 
So when the angel appears to Cornelius, the angel says this, Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have become a memorial offering before God. This is even to a non-Christian. God is hearing his prayers and his gifts to the offering are like a sacrifice that's pleasing to God. What happens? His house is saved. He's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, and by no means leastly, I think generosity in the here and now is going to be rewarded in the life to come. This is not the only life we have. We are destined to live eternally with Christ, with reward and with treasures. And some of those rewards will be based on how we have invested our lives in the here and now. There are treasures in the life to come for those who are generous in the here and now. So let me talk about the second point, the spirit of generosity. How do we... How do we give until we can laugh? Well, first of all, it dawned on me that generosity actually is a spirit. It's not just something you do. It actually is a spirit that you have. Just in the same way you can have a spirit of envy or a spirit of greed or a spirit of conceit or a spirit of selfish possession, which is all the things that the world teaches you to give, grab, 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 grab. But actually, generosity is a spirit. And have you ever wondered why so many rich people are just unhappy and unfulfilled. I read a fascinating article by Yale psychologist Laura Santos. And Laurie actually teaches a university-level course on happiness. She wrote a paper called Why Aren't Successful People Happier? And her conclusion was this. A big predictor of happiness is how much time you spend with others and how much time you spend with the people you care about. We are happier when we are others-oriented, caring about others more than ourselves. Isn't that interesting? God made us to be happy and blessed when we're blessed, blessing other people. Paul picks this theme up in Timothy when he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19. Tell those who are rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God, who piles on all the riches we could ever imagine, to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. And if they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, getting life that is truly life. And even as our treasury and our Bank of England struggles to boost the pound, we can boost our own treasury that inflation will never touch, which is wonderful. Today I want to center you on one Bible passage, and if you have your Bibles with you, or your e-pad, or your iPad, or anything else, can you turn please to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. And in fact, I'm going, you don't have to read along with me, I'm going to read this out to you, uh, but it's useful that you have this in front of you. Remember this, a farmer who plants only to a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. 
For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, which brings unity and release, but also they will joyfully express their thanksgiving to God. So the idea is that generosity will always break out into joy. And true Christian joy always breaks out into generosity. So let me take you to that passage. And I just want to take you to 2 Corinthians 9. In 2 Corinthians 8, in the previous passage, Paul is talking about the Macedonian church. So, and Paul is praising them for their joyful generosity in providing the needs of the, the, the believers in Jerusalem who are suffering. Now what you need to know about Macedonia is they were undergoing tremendous persecution and real severe trials. And so they were extremely poor. The Bible says they are in extreme poverty. But also Paul says, you begged me, you begged me, you begged me for the privilege of being allowed to give to the collection of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Now in most cases we would expect the people who are poor and undergoing great persecution to put their hand up and say please can you have a collection and send the money our way the Macedonians are doing the other thing they say no no please will you allow us to take a collection and give you money Titus to take to Jerusalem for our brothers and sisters so now we get to 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 and Paul's speaking to a Corinthian church a much wealthier church more like a western church perhaps a church like ours Paul's speaking to a Corinthian church and he says now seeing their example how about your commitment to do the same thing you said you were going to do this can you do this out of freedom and out of grace can you give out of your abundance so that the needs of the others will be met and so that unity will come so that thanksgiving will erupt with praise Paul's saying, how about you? How about you, Corinthians? In verse 6, the Bible says, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. So Paul's taking a well-known phrase, reap what you sow, and he's making a comparison here. He's saying, if the God who is generous in nature and who gives you plenty of food to eat and plenty of harvest just because you sow a lot of seed, if God is generous in nature, how much more will God be generous in grace to those who abound in grace? Nature is just a small part compared to the generosity of God in grace. Each of you should decide what you've in your heart to give, not reluctantly for under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word for that is hilaros. Not surprisingly, God says, give hilariously. Just give hilariously. And it's just like, no, not with a little laugh, not like a hee hee, but like with a real belly laugh, like like a real, like, throw your head back and let's laugh about this. Let's just give until we can get to that place like, God, this is like, God, I'm just giving because you're providing and I'm just giving. And you're providing and I'm just giving. It's just like, I've got to laugh about this. I really. It's just hilarious, God. It's hilarious how much your grace and your love is for me and how much your salvation has no strings attached. So I'm going to give with no strings attached because you gave to me with no strings attached. So here's my first landing point, people. Give generously 
Give regularly and regularly plan to give. Give regularly and regularly plan to give. There's a place for spontaneous worship and giving, but there's also a place for intentional generosity, which is to regularly plan to give. Weekly, monthly, whatever. It's not about the amount. It's about your commitment to actually regularly give. Verse 8. And now God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you notice the use of the word all there by Paul? God's intention in teaching us generosity is not to make us poor. God's intention in generosity is so that we will have enough to be generous on every occasion for every need whenever we need it and will abound in every good work. God is always about us equipping us to be his hands, feet, heart, and wallets in the world. As it is written, they scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply your increased store of seed and enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So here is some wisdom for you. You don't have to give it all away. You see, God has provided bread for the eater. What that means is, It's good to pray for your daily bread and it's good to meet the needs of yourself and your own family. There's nothing wrong with meeting your own needs, nothing wrong with paying your own mortgage, that's fine. But when, wow, that's the rain, here comes the rain. Um, But when God gives you extra rain, when he refreshes you more, when God gives you a little bit extra, then put that aside. It could be money, it could be possessions, it could be time, it could be anything. Because that then becomes seed for the sower to multiply. Right, the, the bread that you eat doesn't multiply, but the seed that you sow multiplies. And, and your generosity multiplies, and it's catchy, and as you're generous, other people will be generous as well. It's a bit like the secular trend called give it forward. The generosity encourages generosity. But I do know, um, so and a good example of that was um, when Kate and her family came to live with us in uh, Hearst Farm Road, what I found amazing was that it sparked generosity in our neighbours. There were some of our neighbours who said, look, we have children the same age. We've been through all of their toys and all of their clothes and we've sorted out everything that they don't need. And so here are some toys that they might like and here are some clothes that they might wear. And they just turned up with bags of stuff. And these are not Christians. This is generosity opening generosity, which leads to the gospel. Generosity opens doors. It does. It just, God has won us with loving kindness. But I know that God often asks us to step outside what is comfortable and what is possible. And for some, the cost of living may be taking things from being a bit tight to just being extremely difficult, and I understand that. But there is always a trust to challenge, challenge to trust God in every situation and to believe that he can meet every need, as Gail did and shared so wonderfully in her testimony. So I want to share a story um, from, it's actually from Matthew chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus was having one of those days where he was just sitting in the temple and observing everything that was going on. Wasn't preaching, wasn't teaching, he was just looking at what was happening. And he observed that there were some rich people. They were probably Pharisees, rulers, people who were rich. And they were coming along and the rich people in the metal containers that were the temple would be pouring their coins in. (laughs) 
So what did you hear? You heard it made a lot of noise, right? Because the rich people wanted you to hear that when they gave lots of coins, it made lots of noise. And it was a bit like, "Eh, look at me. And quite frankly, Jesus wasn't that impressed. And then a widow came along with just two small copper coins. They were like bits of scrap metal. And she just went, so what did you hear? Well, not a lot, really. But God heard. And Jesus saw And Jesus said, boys, boys, come around. This is really important. Boys, come along. Have a look at this. That widow gave more than all those wealthy people combined because they gave out of their abundance, but she gave everything she had to live on. And the point here was this. Jesus was saying it's not about the amount you give. It's about the sacrifice and the attitude and the heart with which you give. He honors humility over self-sufficiency. He honors the attitude and the commitment and the sacrifice over the amount. So lastly, I want to talk about how do we practice generosity. Um, And these are some practical tips, which you'll see coming up on the screen. Um, The first one is, I think we should be generous in giving. First of all, generous in giving worship to God. We've heard that this morning, haven't we? I mean, don't hold back. God has done so much for us. We should be just erupting with praise every time that we come to worship. Don't hold back on worship. Be generous in what you give to God. Don't be mean. Open your hearts. Open your lungs. Give Him a hallelujah. Be generous in giving time to your own spouses and families. I know I've made this mistake in the past where I haven't given enough time to my family. But it's interesting, in Isaiah 58, I learned this lesson. It says, if you're generous to the hungry and you look after the poor and lonely and you don't neglect your own flesh and blood, then your light will shine. And part of that is, like, don't neglect your own family. They need your time. They need your generosity. They need what you can give. So as Gail experienced, be generous to your own family. Be generous also to the house of God. Love others and serve the saints. Jesus loves the church, this church. Jesus loves the wide church. And when you love others, you are loving him. Be generous in giving not only your money, but also your possessions to the poor. You have so much stuff, if you're anything like me, you have so much stuff that can be given to the poor. I remember we were in um, America, in Norwalk, Connecticut, uh, church planting with a church called The Bridge. And uh, we started, or rather Rochelle started, ministering, giving away clothes. Um, And I remember walking down the road and I said, Rochelle, look, it's amazing. That man has exactly the same jacket as I have. (laughs) And... she said to me, that man has exactly the same jacket as you had. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I, I think I lost about a third of my wardrobe in the first year. But truthfully, I didn't ever miss it. Because it was wardrobe that I really didn't need. And, and, I, and I'd still have to say, if I looked at my wardrobe, I probably could give half of it away. I still don't need it now. Um, Spend less than, uh, simplify your life. It's in, well, no, what am I on to? Um, praise for acts of service often unseen. I think this really struck me, that we want to be generous in how we encourage one another. You know, uh, I think there's a wonderful tradition of, of honoring unsung heroes, but there are people every week who help us into the car park, who make us cups of tea, who run our youth work, who do an amazing job that's often unseen, and we just need to be generous to say, you know what, thank you. 
Thank you for what you do. Thank you just for turning up week after week. Thank you for all that you do. And keep encouraging. Let's be generous in our praise to one another. Let's not be mean-spirited. And let's receive generously and gratefully as well as giving. Sometimes, if you're like me, it's hard to receive when someone gives you a gift or, or even a word of kindness. And we just need to receive gratefully as well as give gratefully. So I want to also just share with you something from the stewardship blog. Seven biblical principles on financial management that will help you to be more generous. So here they are up on the screen. Seven biblical principles on financial management. First of all, realize it all belongs to God. Your life, your health, your wealth, everything you have belongs to God. He's just loaning it to you for the period that you happen to have breath. It's on loan to you. And when you die, you will give it all back. None of us arrive with anything, none of us leave with anything. It all belongs to God. Secondly, give to God first. Remember, seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added to you. I find it interesting. The, the Bible tells us not to test God except once. There's one time in the Bible that the Lord says, please test me in this. It's in Malachi 3 verse 10. And the Lord says, test me in this. If you don't bring all your tithes into the storehouse, then I will absolutely open the heavens and bless you. Let me put that in modern language. If you continue to give regularly and faithfully, every week, every month, test me in this if I won't bless your socks off. That's the Lawrence paraphrase. But it's basically Malachi 3.10. Just test me. See if I won't bless you. This is not a prosperity gospel. It's just like you cannot outgive God. That's the basic principle. And simplify your life. Do you know that there was a survey done and the average Briton um, spends 55 pounds every month on subscription services? Just take a look at your Apple phone. So if you include Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Spotify, the average Briton is spending 55 pounds every month on streaming services, which if you add it up is 670 pounds per year. 670 pounds per year. So... Do I really need all of those? No, I've cancelled my Netflix streaming service. I probably could go through my phone and cancel a whole lot more. It's just a good thing to do. The reason we simplify our lives is not because we need more for ourselves, because it just frees up more for us to give to others. Um, Spend less than you earn. For some of us, in this season coming, we may be earning less. Okay, then we just need to budget to spend less. And that may mean that you give less, and that's okay if you're giving proportionally. But essentially, now's the time to um, plan ahead. Now's the time to set budgets and set priorities, and now's the time to save for the plan. I do think this is a Joseph time where we are called to put grain into the harvest for the time that's needed to give it away. And please avoid expensive debt. You may come into difficult situations, but don't go to payday loans and don't go to short-term debt. And if you do need debt advice, we are so blessed in this church to have Christians Against Poverty and Fiona who can really help you get the kind of advice you need to get out of that debt cycle. Um, Just invite the band up now, if I might. I want to land a takeaway on what does generosity really mean? And the first thing that it means is that generosity has never been about what we can give to God or what we can give to others. Generosity has always been about what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. That is the gold star of generosity. And everything else we do is just a reflection of that. 
Secondly, generosity to others is just the natural overflow of gratitude for the grace that we've received. Let me say that again. Generosity is a natural overflow of gratitude for grace that you have received. So that kind of leads me with my final point on generosity. And it's the real question today. The question is, how much grace have you received? How much grace have you received? How much grace have you received? Sam and Grace, I'll hand over to you. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.